Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. When you want to have fun and have scratchers to scratch, there's a playful way you can do just that. Scratch with the key or acrylic nail. Scratch with the quill from a porcupine tail. Use a belt buckle from your friend Lamar. Or scratch with your pick while you play guitar. You can scratch in a bunch of different playful ways. Scratchers from the California lottery. A little play can make your day. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player claim. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. What is The Briefing Room? It's a behind-the-scenes look at how the criminal justice system works and the lives of the people within that system. If you love true crime, well, these are the real people who do the job every day of making sure justice is served. Hi, I'm Detective Dave. I'm Detective Dan. Together, we have decades of experience in local law enforcement, a profession that we think is often misunderstood. So we're going to explore how to do it right, and we won't shy away from when it's done wrong. These are stories you'll hear nowhere else. Unique, frank, and unvarnished. From the team that brought you Small Town Dicks, this is The Briefing Room. Episode 1 drops on August 30th. We'll meet you in The Briefing Room. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com. And welcome back to Little Cuts, our weekly mini sode where we dig into the things that we've been watching recently. I'm Terry. And I and, and I am Mary Beth. And this week we're talking all things found footage because we were both just at the unnamed footage festival in San Francisco. We hung out like for days on end. It was amazing. It was so good. Oh, it was, it was so, so much good. fun. It I, was I, the best I was time. telling Mary Beth before we started recording that I wish we lived closer because this was um, lovely. It was this was so a lovely. lovely time. And we got to hang out with Perperina, which was awesome. Yeah. And we got to meet some fans of the show, which was like super cool and weird so and weird. gave out stickers. So it was just like super. It was so fun. We're going to talk about some of the really awesome movies we saw on this episode because we saw so fucking many movies this weekend. Like I think I saw like not new movies. I saw like 10 new movies. That doesn't include the screenings of films I'd already seen. So it was a weekend of cinema. That is for damn sure. It absolutely was a weekend of cinema. And, you know, here's the thing. I, I'm totally honest. I was not expecting a whole lot when I went in. I'm just going to be perfectly honest there. But I was blown away at the movies that came out of this little festival. I... Fully converted. I love that you started this of you like not being a found footage person and now you are coming to found footage festivals with me. I mean, obviously I'm the draw. <laughs> 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 but it was 
funny because Russ, Russell, one of the one of the um, organizers, after you left, was like, "Did we get Terry? Did we get him?" And I'm like, "I think we did. We got him, Joe. I think we did." <laughs> you did, and you know, you know. Here's the thing: it's not like I'm, I'm like a uh, active hater of Foundation. Oh yeah, it's just I've seen so many that came when I was when it was coming up through like the studio produced flicks that were just like cash yeah. grabs. That I got sort of soured on the on the genre, and I this seeing the kind of creativity that went into into the movies that we're going to talk about today really kind of like took me back to like the sort of do-it-yourself sort of attitude that I love about indie filmmaking. And this is on like such a, a micro level. I mean, some of, one of the movies that we're going to talk about is literally a talking head. Like it's just, it's, it's like yeah. an, almost an interview for the most of the runtime. And yet yep. it is enthralling as hell. And I just, mm-hmm. I was, I was really blown by a lot of the creep blown blown away <laughs> i was blown by the creativity i was blown <laughs> I mean, we were in san francisco we i was blown by the creativity that all the creativity just blew one me. after another just blew me <laughs> it's exhaust no wonder i'm exhausted jesus <laughs> um on that incredible note Let's talk a little bit about some of the stuff we saw that we can't dive, to, we're not going to dive too, too deep into, just like a brief little yeah. thing, because there was, there were a bunch of screenings of films that like we'd already seen, like Paranormal Activity, which was so cool to see on the big screen, um, mm-hmm. and The Tunnel, which is a 2011 Australian found footage film, if y'all haven't heard of it. Um, it just got like the like Blu-ray treatment by Umbrella Entertainment, I believe. Oh, did it? I believe. Um, that's who did it. They got the Blu-ray treatment because this was a movie I'd only ever seen on YouTube. Um, mm-hmm. and so I, watching it on the big screen and like an actual, like, qu- like good quality, so much fucking scarier, um, incredible like monster. And yeah, so definitely was like one of the highlights of things that wasn't new, but was able to experience for the first, like almost, it felt like it was for the first time. So that was just a really incredible um, viewing experience. And then we also got to see Robbie Banfitch's new movie, Tinsman Road, a festival mm-hmm. cut. It is not even, rem- it's going to be very different when it actually comes out. So we saw the two hour and six minute cut. Um, very different than The Outwaters. If you didn't like The Outwaters, you might like this better. Yeah, this one definitely had. I think you compared it to to kind of like Lake Lake Mungo Mungo. vibes, Mm -hmm. and I could I could absolutely see that. It's a very it's a quiet film. It's definitely a mystery, um, tinged with ghostly happenings. Um, It's shot on what did he film? What did he film on? on Mini DV, DV, Mini DV, Mm -hmm. and it just it had a very intimate feel to it, and it's so much different than the bombast of like the last half of the outwaters. Um, but it's just, it's going to be really hard for us. We, we definitely want to, uh, talk about it when it, you know, gets edited a little bit and gets taken down a a little bit longer, a little bit more edited version and concise version of it. Cause it's, there's a, there's a lot there, but the bones of it are really good. And I'm really excited for people to see this one. Yeah. It's really beautiful. I think it's Robbie showing everyone like how much more dialogue and, a lot more like, like you said, mystery and like kind of meditations on grief. Mm-hmm. Um, also, so yeah, 
to keep an eye out for when that comes out. But it was cool to get to see a cut, this cut of the film and have yeah. its like world premiere at the festival. Mm. It was super cool. But yeah, we won't talk too much about it because I know that it's going to it's going to be very different the next time we see it. So another old movie, but that like very small amount of people have ever seen is the Tontine, is Tontine, which was at one point called the Tontine Massacre, which is as if like Survivor were to happen but instead of getting to the island where they were going to film, <laughs> the poor the poor caskets shipwrecked on an unknown island. All of the kind of strengths that they were hiring for, you know, in order to make good television, to have competing personalities and to have all that kind of differing, like, things that biting, butting head type stuff, turns on itself when all of a sudden the cameras aren't there and all these personalities are really toxic. And so we sort of see this devolve into a Lord of the Flies-esque situation among the, the, the living castmates. And I was really surprised by this one. Yeah, and it's funny because I the cameras are off, but a, a lone box of a, of, a lone box washes up on, so, on shore and they're like, oh my God, it's supplies and it's cameras. So yeah. all they have are cameras and they're recording themselves. And it's kind of framed as like, we're seeing footage of like the after effects of this from like a lawyer, plus footage of the director trying to get to these people. Plus also getting kind of like the, uh, a lot of the beginning too was like the interviews and stuff of like getting them cast. Because I think what this really, this movie really hits is like the, like you said, like casting personalities who would make good TV, but what happens when there's no one there to regulate those personalities mm-hmm. and when they're allowed to kind of go wild. What's also really, really interesting about Tontine is it's a lost, it was like a lost movie. This is the first time it's yeah. been screened. Like there are very few people that have ever seen this movie and we're some of the lucky few people who were able to see it. And for that I know we were like, is this going to be a good movie? Is it just right, like a novelty know. behind it? Exactly. And it was actually a really well-made found footage movie. Really vi- it pretty violent. So well. too. Yeah, yeah, it played so well. It's pretty violent. But also the really incredible story behind it is the fact that this had like a huge press tour. A former winner of Survivor, I believe, lives doing actual interviews. Awesome, was like doing interviews about like promoting Tontine, people were actually auditioning. Like they'd already cast the movie, but they were holding auditions and act like real people were showing up. And the thing about Tontine was that was like really wild was that the whole premise was not just Survivor, but you put in, you signed over all of your assets. So the whole premise is ridiculous, but people, Mm -hmm. real people were still doing it. Like signing over, like ready to sign over all of their money, their house, everything, like risking it all for this game show. And so like, obviously it's not real, but there was a lot of really interesting stuff like uh, marketing around it. And then it vanished. And then now it has resurfaced at the footage festival and hopefully someone else picks it up because like, it is a really good kind of look at that like influencer culture, not influencer culture, but rather like reality TV culture mm-hmm. and that time period specifically. Um, I'm telling you a uh, shutter or screen box or someone, this would kill this movie would kill. It had the audience laughing, uh, cheering, gasping. There is a moment of pure surprise towards the end that had the entire theater literally almost on their feet, clapping at this moment. And I'm like, you're watching this. And I'm like, why was this never released? Because this movie isn't one of those that's like 
the story is more interesting than the movie or it's like it's a kind of a curious item of it or like a curiosity of that time period yeah. it is actually incredibly well made uh, i believe they said that like weta did the the special effects isn't that right or peter I jackson's studio so. i think that's what they said I believe so. It was super weird. It was like the timing of everything was just like so poor. But I'm hoping that now that we've seen it and that like people are going to start talking about it a little bit more. Like the, the the theater was pretty full. And there are people like in Survivor hats like I saw there that were like there mm. because of the Survivor connection. Which yes, was super were... interesting. Like I was like, oh, this is wild to see like these confluence of like fan groups coming out. But like it was pretty packed. It was pretty packed, and there was a row of people right in front of us that were Survivor fans. They just they came in for this movie, and they sat down, and they were laughing at sort of like the the kind of I, I wouldn't say necessarily in jokes, but some of the things that the that the movie does that are you know key things that people that watch Survivor are used to seeing. Yeah, just sort of like there there's like a, a there was it it played well for both people fans of Survivor and also yeah. um, horror movie fans because it just. Uh, I could gush about this movie forever. It was, so it, was inc- it was so good. So I'm really, really hoping that someone picks it up because this needs to see the light of day. I think it would... The story itself, like, around it is so cool, but the movie itself is really good, too. So, again, it's mm-hmm. not just, like, a novelty thing. Like, this could be a really cool Vinegar Syndrome release, I bet, with, like, yeah. a really awesome, like, commentary track and, like, behind the scenes. Like, anyway. Baton Teen. So good. Chef's Kiss. One of my most anticipated of the fest because of just like the whole story and it did not disappoint whatsoever. No. Exceeded expectations. Yes, 100%. for me too. <laughs> me too. So another one that we saw that exceeded my expectations very different than Tontine is um, mm. Safe Word. Yes. And this is a film by Koji Shirashi who did Neroi, a cult. We all know I love him. I have a tattoo, one of his movies on me. Like, so he is a premier Japanese found footage filmmaker. Um, but Safe Word is actually not a horror film. This is a, a pseudo documentary about a idol and pro wrestler, Mina the Killer, who um, ends up training. Misa, right? Misa the Killer, Misa. pardon me. Misa the Killer. Uh, ends up training to be a dominatrix at a sex club and someone is making a documentary about her and following her journey as she trains to become a dominatrix and learns about how like how to embrace her sexuality and her kinky side and it's called it's 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 a pink film which is like a japanese softcore porn series it's like a softcore porn series going on for decades and so this is the latest um entry and I was like, okay, softcore porn, late night showing, very interesting. And it ended up being actually incredibly sweet and empowering. It's very queer. It's kinky as hell. And the whole like thesis of the movie is like embracing your kink and your, like, your, your, your pervert side and like not finding shame in that. And I love that because I feel so often, you know, we talk, kink is so often like talked about as like a shameful thing in a lot of movies mm-hmm. when it's not at all. And this was very much like celebrating kink and not just like, oh, he hit me, but like golden showers multiple times. The most wholesome movie involving golden showers yeah. I've ever seen. Yeah. A lot of like, yeah, mul- two scenes of someone drinking pee, but also it was like really sweet. And it was really, it's really weird. Not weird, but it was like such an interesting tone and it was so good and it's just like queer women f- and kinky women and women finding like out their pa- like how to be powerful 
and like finding the source of their confidence and their power and then also women falling in love with each other it was really really good exploring bdsm and master servant type kind of relationships but in a very kink positive light that just it's wholesome it was such a wholesome story and i was i was really surprised because again i was like what am i getting into with this type of film because i've never seen one before i'm like okay is this gonna is this gonna feel awkward watching this in a big theater with softcore porn and it was a little bit in parts but um it was really good and like i said the most wholesome movie ever with golden showers put that on the poster like please like just i loved it i was i was was surprised i was too i really enjoyed it and i really koji shirashi you know it's always interesting watching a movie like this directed by a man and Mm, it had been about women because you know i'm there's always that concern that it's going to be incredibly sexualized it's going to be like look at these titties and like look at these women having sex with each other but even though there was like a decent amount of nudity it, there wasn't like there wasn't any kind of like weird fetishization like I mean there's no. there's fetishes in the movie but it's not surprising yeah. like the camera the camera operator is a woman which I know is not the same thing as the director but there's that interesting gaze going on with her playing like, playing with her gaze but also like, it is a very respectful film in terms of like bodies and sex it isn't trying to be titillating. it's not exploitive it's not exploitive like it's like this the subject matter is already like so titillating it's not trying to like force it it's trying to make a more empowering kind of sex positive statement in a way because i think like i'm not an expert on this but you know sexuality in japan is very different it's very kind of repressive it's very you know i think the actually sexuality is kind of like it's weird in Japan. And this is just a very much kind of like embrace sexuality. Like, why are we not embracing it? So it was awesome. It was so good. It was so sweet. It was, I probably wouldn't have seek this out on my own. No, now I actually I wouldn't know, have either. I want to find more pink films to watch. I'm very curious about that series. So another like just cool thing that you wouldn't usually see at a film festival or anywhere. And like this festival off like Tontine and safe word, like, those these two just two of like the cool things we got to see that many people wouldn't have the opportunity to see otherwise it's just so fucking cool it really is what a great way to end a saturday night seriously you're like wow you're like wow viva perverts that's like the like the tagline basically yes. viva perverts and i was like you know what yeah fucking viva perverts my letterbox viva review perverts. was just my letterbox review was just i love women and exclamation points so you know there's no way to transition, transition to another movie I, from that. Like, there's no, there's just like nothing. You really, there's no really there. Speaking of uh, dominatrix, Chad gets the axe. <laughs> How's that? That's not even a bad. That's, segue. A, that's not even a connection. <laughs> but no, okay, it's not. yeah, fine. But hashtag Chad gets the axe. Another movie that surprised the absolute shit out of me because you know. Okay, so the festival started. Well, for us, it started with a movie that was also sort of like social influencers getting a bit more than they they bite off. And that one did not work for me. Yeah. Um, And then we'd also gotten Deadstream last year, which I absolutely loved. We had the directors on the show. I thought it was great, funny, um, spooky, scary, great time. And so I was like, do I need to see another one? And turns out, yes, yes, I do. Because hashtag Chad gets the axe is like Deadstream with um more people and also a bit more 
a different kind of humor, maybe, I guess. Yeah, I think whereas chat, whereas Deadstream, and it, like there's been a lot of like really valid complaints about like kind of racist jokes oh, and playing mm-hmm. a lot with like rate, like you know, the racist live streamer and them not really getting it. This one stays away from that a lot mm-hmm. more. And I think the humor in this one, I think, really plays off of I mean, what they talked about in the intro is like Logan Paul esque like prank style videos. And so they're playing with that format. But I also think what they're doing with the another thing they do really well is capturing social media couple dynamics. Yes. Because there's a couple because we have we have Chad. We have Spenifer. Yes. Marita Spenifer, which is Spencer and Jennifer. And then we have Spicy Steve. And it's a group of influencers who are going, Spicy Steve is trying, is basically taking them to a haunted location and wants to prank Chad and get him for pranking him in return. And it all goes wrong. But Spenifer, I loved these, this char- like these two characters because it captures like the TikTok slash Instagram influencer couple dynamics it, so well. well. <laughs> there was this. Back like I, I'm not I'm, I'm I don't even remember what they were called, but back like when when Jenna Marbles was more of a thing and that whole like crop. Oh of, yeah, there was like a, a couple that would always film together, and they looked th- these couple were channeling uh, that YouTube, co- and I wish I remember oh. what their name was, but it's like a really handsome, a little androgynous guy and his girlfriend who does makeup videos, and they were like together and they would film stuff together, and it reminded me of of that kind of dynamic that used to be really popular on YouTube. I don't know if it still is anymore, but back at like maybe six or seven years ago um, or a little bit more, there was like a particular couple that I I just, I cannot remember what their name was, but they also had like a combined name or were known as like a combined name as well. And so that was giving me that. And then you have like spicy Steve that was like trying to be the new uh, Paul Logan. Is that his name? Logan Paul, Paul Logan, Logan Logan Paul. Paul. People with two first names. I know. Um, <laughs> and so it, it, it definitely plays into that inside Devil's Manor, uh, former home of a satanic cult stuff goes haywire. I think it's edited incredibly well between all the perspectives. It really does capture that really well. Cause it, it creates its own little like platform that looks kind of like Instagram and TikTok, mm-hmm. and it creates, I love it when movies can like create a platform like that and actually like kind of give you the inner workings of it a little bit. I love how they do that and it's very simple, but you kind of get the point. And I love the way, so what, one of the best parts of this movie is the, how they utilize the chat. Yes. Because all of this is told via live stream. And so the chat was delivering some of the fucking funniest lines. And Mm. it, it, again, it emulates in an obviously satirical way of how these live chat, how these live chats go like people saying like trolls it's full of trolls send me pictures of feet i love feet like all of this like and it's just the commentary is so funny and i feel like in some movies you can kind of lose reading the text but i think what chad gets the axe does so well is making sure like prioritizing that chat and making it big enough that you can see it and read it and balancing what is happening like to the characters versus the chat really well. I think that's such a hard balance to strike. It is. But here, they make it seem so easy because you're not too distracted by either thing. And they let the jokes hit and then they move on. And it's just so funny and how they balance that in these moments of terror. And it's just like, 
I and look, I really like Deadstream. I think that I like this better than Deadstream. I do too. I'm not trying to like hate on Deadstream whatsoever. No, it's not aiming putting this, people against each other. Yeah, but. I just think that this one has such an incredible approach to like the the influencer horror in mm. such a funny way that is repulsive but never kind of throws itself into like let's say ridiculously offensive thing like obviously they say horrible things but they don't throw them into the whole like let's say really offensive things all the time on camera and be like look look at how stupid and rude influencers are i think it takes them a little bit more seriously in a way that i respect because yeah there's like more nuance to it what so like thinking about it what what i what i appreciate about deadstream is that it doesn't try to what's the word i'm looking for not rescue but it doesn't try to like make you feel for the character because yeah. he is a, a piece of shit, shit. Yeah. whereas this movie asks okay what if these people that we see as these larger than life kind of assholey people but by the end of the movie you actually kind of feel for them cuz like yeah. i had a lot more empathy towards these characters than i did uh, the main character of Deadstream that I the name is yeah because they don't make they don't make them as terrible they're annoying but they're not as like bad people they're just really like grating on you and especially with the spicy Steve character I liked him a lot as like the guy who's trying really hard to be like to keep up and is just like doing his best and it's he's caught up in the influencer machine and I just I don't, it was just so smart. I really enjoyed it. What a cutie patootie too, Spicy Steve. I know. I, I need to start calling Steve Spicy Steve. Yes. <laughs> but like, I I don't know who's picked that one up yet, but someone needs to because like, it, it, that, one, oh, it like, that one was like the big crowd pleaser, I think, of the festival. Mm-hmm. Um, it was my favorite, I, honestly. Like, yeah. Just in, in terms, I, I say that, but then I also really like Tontine, but I think in terms of like crowd pleasing, just I was there for the ride the entire time it was probably my favorite of the fest yeah it's one of my favorites for sure um but another another one that i really really loved um was it's very again like we're swinging all over the place because all of these movies are so different but i really love this movie called the gulf of silence Mm -hmm. which is a pseudo documentary um one of the few films in the festival directed by a woman which was amazing um, but this documentary follows a woman, Dr. Laura Gale, who recounts her own experience with a UFO and her kind of like what happens to her after she goes public with that information and then how she gets involved with a government organization about extraterrestrial life, focused on extraterrestrial life. And it's very much a talking head documentary. I think it's very much a movie that some people are going to love and some people are going to not like. It's definitely just like one of those, but I loved it. It's a lot of it is the act actor who plays Laura Gale speaking directly to camera, telling her story. And then there's like B roll sliced in of like actual footage of declassified um, UFO sightings and things like that. But a lot of it is just her telling her story directly to camera it's a really compelling story. I think, again, like this could be a movie that people are like, this is boring. But I think the writing is really smart in that it's not just about aliens, but it's about this woman trying to like find acceptance and like a place in the world after having a very isolating experience. 
And I think the other, the story behind it is also fascinating because um, M.K. Rhodes, who directed this, put it up. Like she made it. This is like Tontine where the story behind it is equally interesting as the movie is. So the story of this is why I wanted to see it. And I was really glad that the movie lived up to it because M.K. Rhodes made this during the pandemic and she just like put it up on the internet because she's like, fuck it. Um, well, people who love, like, UFO conspiracy theorists are, um, a lot, and they found it, and they, they thought it was a real documentary, and kind of went nuts on her, they doxxed her, they were harassing her, saying, like, you know the truth, and she was like, this is, I literally wrote that, like, I wrote this, like, this is not a real thing, I based a lot of it on, like, extensive research, but, like, I didn't, this isn't real. And they didn't believe her. They're like, you're lying. You're covering things up for the government. And she ended up taking it offline. And you can't find it really anywhere. She took it off YouTube. She took it off YouTube. And so she won't share it anywhere outside of a film festival setting because that way she can, the narrative is a little bit more controlled. Yeah, she was saying, there was a question and answering and she was kind of saying that like she made this to be seen by film lovers and she was not expecting it to be grasped by um alien conspiracy theorists and it just that's why she was like that's why it's only going to play at film festivals now because yeah it just got to the point where it was like too much for her and she was emulating the style of like an old documentary called the portrait of jason that is just Mm -hmm. um a guy talking to camera for like an hour and a half so she's modeling she's modeling the style of Modeling that style of documentary filmmaking while also utilizing aspects that the director of Tetsuo the Iron Man did in terms of editing. So there's a lot of really interesting like cinema, cinematic things happening here, but it got latched onto by conspiracy theorists. But like, it is a really, again, like, it's a hypnotic movie. It's very, it's quiet, like, pardon the gulp of silence pun. But I think that this, again, the writing and the story is just so fascinating. I just really, and again, it's, I think... It's a really fascinating way to tell a story. And like this, yes, this could have been an audio drama. I was thinking about this as we were watching. I was like, because a lot of things, there's a lot of stuff coming out now that's playing with sound in a really fascinating way. And I'm, it's always like, do you need to have a movie attached to this kind of thing? But what I loved about this is like, she's looking into the camera. So you have to look her in the eye and you really have to like confront her emotionally. And I think that that is a really important part of this movie is that like, you feel like you are really connecting with her and her story mm-hmm. because she is looking at you. It is not like looking off to the side. It is like face to camera telling you the story and you feel like she is confessing stuff to you personally. And I think that that to me was a huge part of my connecting to it and like getting invested in her own story and like, her own journey through all of the weird stuff that she's experienced and seen. Yeah. I, as I was watching it, I, I was, I kept having to remind myself that this isn't a documentary Yeah, because it feels real to the point that I can understand. I don't think that what they did is right, but I can understand how someone that is deep in the conspiracy of aliens would latch onto this because it feels like, it it feels like a scientific documentary. It feels like this woman has worked for this secret government organization and knows her shit. And it, 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 it feels real to the point that I was like sitting here going, I 
don't know if this was a good idea to just release on the internet. Yeah. <laughs> like, it, because it was so, it was so believable that by the end of it, I was like, there is enough truth in here and, and enough little bits of, of nuggets to tell the story that it's, it's hard. It, it's, it'd be easy to look at this and say that this is a real thing, that this is a real yeah. woman who is unveiling all of these secrets that she had signed an NDA about at one point. It feels real. It does. And I think that's really fascinating. And I think that it's also, it shows kind of the dangerousness of just releasing some things onto the internet without really kind of thinking about what could happen to, as a result of that. Because I, I did wonder, I was like, ooh, I don't know if this is something you just want to put out there. Yeah. And again, like, if you don't know those communities or have any familiarity with them, like, you don't have any idea. But like, and a lot, and so many people now are doing those kinds of things and releasing their found footage online. Because like, it's, you know, found footage is so inherently like punk in its sensibilities yeah. in terms of like, you make something, you just put it up, and like, you let it happen. You don't, you're not really always beholden to studios and things like that. Um, which we and that makes me a little bit sad that this probably won't be seen by a ton of people, but I do Same. think it's like incredibly well made for what it, like especially for what it is. And I think it's really compelling. And again, people are going to have complaints about some of the editing stuff and be like, this is boring, but I think it's, I don't agree with that. Um, I think it benefits also being seen in a movie theater where you don't have yeah. distractions. Yeah. Because I'll be honest, if I had my phone, I might've been checked out at some point, yeah. but because we are sitting there in a theater and we don't have any kind of distractions sitting around us. It really helped to pull at least me into yeah. the story that is happening. Yeah. And Perperina is in our chat and she says that she really wished she could have seen that one. And also that she loves this festival proves that found footage is not a one note. Like some people say about the sub genre. And I will agree with that hundred percent. Like there's just this so many it. ways to do it. And it's incredible. And I know there's a couple more we're still talking about that are even even more different than what we've what we've like already talked about. But again, like just listening to this, like different subject matters, like so many different things are spanned in found footage. And I just think it's such an incredibly mm -hmm. cool way of storytelling that obviously has its challenges, but I think if it's done right, like we saw so many things that did it right, it really can create something awesome and i think gulf of silence is a testament to how found footage really does fuck with the concept of truth and how easy how malleable yeah. truth is and how you can emulate what truth what you think truth is so well like so scarily well it's scary it's it, that it's, meta yeah. kind of thought is really scary about how well you can trick people with a found footage movie if it's done the right way it, and I'm just, it's just listen, think about the movies we just talked about. We talked about a pink film. We've talked about an influencer horror. We've talked about reality TV. Mm -hmm. We've talked about a talking head doc, a pseudo documentary. Like these are just some of the things that we saw there. And it, yeah. it made me happy that this is the kind of ingenuity people are, are bringing to found footage because I, I'm, I've never been necessarily a huge fan of it, but I think it's because I, I came up after like, Blair Witch and Paranormal Activity, seeing yeah. all the studio released movies that were being released to theater, not knowing that there was like this sort of punk avant-garde underground that was also brewing because that's not what I had seen. I had just yeah. seen like, the theater releases. And so to see the kind of creativity on display here, it just it's made me neat. a fan. It's just so cool. And it is so avant-garde and it's like cool to sit there and be like, 
damn, this is like exper- it's like it's experimental in a way that it's not inaccessible. So I mean, some stuff is, but like, I also love that you experience so many different kinds of things. Like, I think obviously film festivals is a variety, but here just the style of storytelling is so radically mm-hmm. different from movie to movie. It was real. It's really exciting because it feels like every movie is so different. Yeah. Like, even if the story sounds familiar, it's told in such a different way. And so that just makes it so fun. And, like, how are they going to tackle found footage? Because, like, no one person, no one film tackled found footage the same way as another. No. Which was awesome. I mean, l- yeah. let's talk about the short film that we fucking love. Oh that's my told God. almost entirely through an Adobe Premiere project. Hold on, let me pull up the full title. Oh, I have it right here. Oh, you do? Okay, perfect. What is this Digital- full title of this fucking short film? <laughs> Maybe the longest title I've seen in a long time. Digital video editing with Adobe Premiere Pro, colon, the real world guide to setup and workflow, which takes place, I think, almost entirely. Yep. Almost entirely via Adobe Premiere Pro. Adobe Premiere Pro. And it is an editor sitting with, I think, the director of the film where the directors film something and they have captured a ghost and the ghost keeps popping up in the film and he, the director wants the editor to kind of cut out the parts with the with the ghost and make the story still cohesive and the director doesn't want to kill his darlings so to, to so to speak with some shots that he absolutely loves that this ghost is ruining and so it's a 40 minute short film about the fight between the director and the editor but also this ghostly presence ca- captured on film that is funny terrifying we both jumped in each other's arms at one point because there's this there's this moment where i I don't know if they still do it but like i would say about 15 years ago there was like this youtube clip it almost looked like a car commercial and it was like it had this like very sappy kind of very serene music playing and in the distance you would see this car kind of coming around this whole curve and it just was slowly playing by the time the car passes out of camera and you're expecting the car to come into camera again and this zombie pops up and screams there's a loud note loud scream at you and that's kind of one of the jump scares in this that had Mary Beth and I almost jumping into each other's yeah, arms. It, be- it was beautiful. Terry got to get beer spill- spilled on me. At, but I did. It, I spilled beer on Terry at one point. I don't know. <laughs> like it was just, a, it was a good time. Anywho. <laughs> uh, it was so good though. It was so good. And like the way the story, it's just so smart, like telling it. And it's like, there's dialogue over it and there's stuff going. It's like, so, and I was like, I wonder Cause like I had heard about this and I was like, I'm so curious what, how they're going to do this. And like, as a video editor, I was so excited to see how they were going to do it. I was you were I, laughing I, so much. I loved it. I was dying. I was like, as she was like, you didn't get this much coverage. I just was laughing at like, the small little jokes about like editing. Mm-hmm. It was just like cracking me up and working with somebody who like will not again, kill their darlings. And it's, it's just so clever. It's just so clever. I love it. Ah, and then I, the last one that I'll talk about, um, you unfortunately didn't see Terry. I yet. wasn't able to see. I was flying home. Um, Invoking Yell, which is mm-hmm. a Chilean found footage film, which is about an all-female black metal band in the '90s called Invoking Yell. Invoking Yell is how they said it, which is incredible. But it's about their specifically depressive, suicidal black metal. And they want to make sounds of suffering. So they go to this haunted location to record EVPs to play in the background of their song where they're, and where they're screaming. 
And it's all about, it's basically like a behind the scenes of them making the video and getting the EVPs. And it's all, it's set in the 90s. So it's filmed on like a, like yeah. a camera, can't like a, like a, not a camcorder, I think. Mm-hmm. I'm not quite sure. Probably. But it's just these three women who want to be in a black, who want to be like black metal, like, like unforgettable black metal stars and what they're willing to do. You said it was yeah. queer, right? It's, it's yeah there's a scene where all three of them start making out it's pretty awesome there are parts of it that kind of drag a little bit but ultimately like mm. it's just like feminine it's directed by a guy but like again we don't see a lot of found footage films that are all about women and all about women like that aren't based around men you know what i mean like this is all about them mm. wanting to be like an incredible black metal band and it's just like a topic you don't see at all like a lot like all of it together and i think so something about the way that the characters are all just trying to f- figure out their place in the world and make a name for themselves. And also just the way it's filmed. It just feels very, pu- again, punk. Yeah. Again, they're black metal, but it's punk. And the ending is like incredibly violent and harrowing um, mm-hmm. for some of the stuff that they do at the end. So it's just, it's, I'm really impressed by it. I am excited for everyone to hopefully see it someday because. Once again, one, we need more international found footage that is from different perspectives that we don't usually see. And this has all of that. And it's just got some really creepy parts. And the way, again, it plays with sound is really interesting. So that was its world premiere at the foot- at the festival. And I really dug it. Um, I'm excited to watch it. I have the, I have the screener. And yeah. I'm excited to watch it either sometime later this week, probably. Yeah. But I'm really pumped after you... After you after you told me about it yeah i really really dug it so there's just so, there were so many good movies we saw so many movies met so many cool people we hung out with robbie band fetch some more we met dutch marich who directed horror in the high desert i didn't get to meet two. him oh no it's right and i know that some people that listened to the podcast were there so hi guys it was so nice to meet you out of body experience, like I, know. I realize, I, I look at the numbers. I know people listen to our podcast, but it's like one thing to like have this spreadsheet of numbers, and then another yeah. to actually realize that those numbers are attached to a human body. Yeah, and like hear people talking about our podcast when we're not talking about like, we we and overheard they didn't know we were there. A listener, hello, speaking about our podcast, and we did like and. We, I was like, hey, thanks for listening. Here's a sticker. It was just like so cool and weird and cool. Yeah. And it just like feels good to know that people listen to our podcast and talk about it. Um, it was pretty yeah. neat. So surreal. Pretty validating, weirdly, too. Yeah. Like, wild. But I mean, just y'all, this is the, one of the, like, I think one of like the best fests out there. I don't think a lot of people know about it. So I'm going to keep, we're going to keep talking about it. But the organizers, Madeline, Russ, and Oksana are just incredible people. They know how to have a good time, and they love found footage. And so, yeah, Listen, it was I want to go back next year. So yeah, you do. And I dragged your ass to Amoeba and got you to buy so many. Oh my movies. god! I bought so many movies. I know. And so I bought I, so was, many books. When I was packing, I was like, "Hmm, this is a problem." Because of course, like I also bought. Like, I don't have a fucking VCR, but I bought these crazy-ass VHS tapes. Because we found Amityville 1992 about time on VHS. And, like, when are we ever going to see that on VHS ever again? Like, it was wild. So, so yeah. So, 
it was just such a good time. So we'll be back next year. And me and Terry got to hang out in person for multiple days in a row. And that was just a goddamn delight. So we'll drink a lot of coffee and a lot of energy drinks and a lot of my favorite in the morning going, good mornings. (laughs) And then we just, oh my God. And Purpurina brought up the incredible chicken nuggets, Japanese fried chicken we got that we, we all were eating in silence and just being like, these are the best chicken nuggets I've ever eaten in my entire life. And they were in fact the best chicken nuggets. They were so good. It was a so bucket of chicken nuggets and a bucket, a bucket. of garlic fries. I posted French a fries. picture on Twitter. Yes. Oh, my God. Were... Purple Cow in San Francisco next to Balboa Theater. Anyone in San Francisco wants to go. It's a tiny hole in the wall with bubble tea and fried chicken, and that shit was clutch. I was hyping it up. I was Line so worried. I was like, I hope this is as good <laughs> you as were. that. I was like, I hope that I am not overhyping this chicken from last year, but I wasn't. It made, made me feel good. I'm always worried. I'm like, oh, shit. They're going to think it's like we ate good food. <laughs> we ate so good. We, we ate had good food. So good. Well, that was our recap of Unnamed Footage Festival. Yeah. No. And so we haven't started a new series yet. Um, oh, yeah, no, listeners, do you have any suggestions for... Because we just finished Chucky, and then we had Robbie on, and then we did this. So do you have any suggestions for things that we should talk about on little cuts is like a movie that mary beth can and i can both watch because oh uh god. Oh, oh my god. god oh my god it's happening oh my god it's happening purpurina in the chat just typed one letter r with three r. ellipses dot, and dot, i know dot. exactly what that is leading to and terry still needs riverdale to we talk about riverdale riverdale <laughs> the show that got me through grad school <laughs> if you guys can't tell i latch on to terrible television when i'm incredibly stressed out and don't want to focus on anything and you know what i love that for me uh but okay so yeah so we're just gonna have a regular episode next week yeah but oh my god oh my god mary beth who are we talking to on monday so on monday perhaps one of the best conversations we've ever had um we are talking with michelle Garza Cervera, who is the co-writer and director of Huesera the Bone Woman, one of the best movies of the year, if not the best movie of the year, if I am so bold to say, in March, um, I'll be April. right there with you to be bold. It's going to uh, be hard she, to dethrone it. I know. And she brought with her David Lynch's The Elephant Man. Like, the coolest woman of all time is like, yeah, I saw The Elephant Man at the age eight, and we just talk about that, and that is an incredible conversation. Um... I know we always say they're incredible conversations because they always are, but like Michelle is just so cool and inspirational and badass. Amazing. And speaking of punk, punk. she's incredibly punk. So please listen to that episode on Monday. I promise you, you will love it because it's a great time. And if you haven't seen Wasara, the Bone Woman, it is out now on VOD and digital, so please watch it ahead of time. I mean, you don't have to, but I want you to because mm-hmm. you should watch it because it's so fucking good. And also, we um, Patreon stuff is coming up soon. Seltzer for Life is coming up next week. And then at the week after that, we will have our new Fresh Wounds. Uh, we won't tell you what it is quite yet, though. We're going to keep it a secret still. Keep the intrigue. Oh, little hush hush but so keep an eye on twitter and patreon and if you are not a patron why not like come on please throw um, a coin to your witcher yeah throw yeah get toss a coin to your poor podcaster because there's gonna be really cool shit on our patreon um but listeners you've heard from us we want to hear from you 
Um, are you excited about any of these found footage movies? I've, most of them you haven't seen, but like, which ones are you most excited for? You can let us know on Twitter or via email at scarredforlifepodcast at gmail.com. Or you can reach out to us directly on Twitter. I am at MB McAndrews. And I'm at Gailey Dreadful. And of course, follow the podcast on Twitter at Scar Podcast. And don't forget to review, rate, subscribe. And as Mary Beth said, support us through Patreon because you're getting content. You'll be able to see our beautiful faces content thank you to eric power for artwork thank you to sean keller for our music thank you everybody for listening please stay safe out there but most importantly stay creepy and until next time Cause you want a fun break The playful way you scratch The next choice you should make You can make your dog's leg kick And scratch with that You could even grab a laser pointer And use your cap You can build yourself a homemade scratching machine Or use a piece from your chest set Go ahead, grab the queen Scratch like a DJ with your record player A cactus could scratch off that scratchable layer Cause when it comes to scratching There's a million playful ways Thanks to scratchers from the California lottery A little play can make your day Please play responsibly Must be 18 years or older to purchase play or claim the right shoes can take an outfit from good to great, like Allbirds All-New Courier, a shoe with a classic silhouette for everyday style, timeless comfort, and supreme versatility. And at the Allbirds Innovation Lab, they're doing all the sciencey stuff like research and testing to create shoes from natural, sustainable materials, so you can look good while doing good. Everyday comfort delivered. Allbirds All-New Courier. Elevate your supernatural style at allbirds.com today and use code FRESHSOCKS for free socks with your purchase. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. What is The Briefing Room? It's a behind-the-scenes look at how the criminal justice system works and the lives of the people within that system. If you love true crime, well, these are the real people who do the job every day of making sure justice is served. Hi, I'm Detective Dave. I'm Detective Dan. Together, we have decades of experience in local law enforcement, a profession that we think is often misunderstood. So we're going to explore how to do it right, and we won't shy away from when it's done wrong. These are stories you'll hear nowhere else. Unique, frank, and unvarnished. From the team that brought you Small Town Dicks, this is The Briefing Room. Episode 1 drops on August 30th. We'll meet you in The Briefing Room. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com.